Welcome, welcome to episode 15, DC Banter on the Heights, the weekly Boston College podcast hosted by myself, Brett Ryder, and Pete Collins. Today, we review last week's Friday Night Lights, the upcoming matchup down in Raleigh, and hockey's unfortunate weekend sweep. Uh, let's hop right in. Pete, how are you feeling? Uh, best loss of the season. Possibly my favorite four quarters of BC football thus far. Uh, we want more head. He looked nervous to start the game, I got to admit, uh, as the wonderful ESPN broadcasters pointed out to us numerous times. <laughs> um, but as time progressed, settled into the game, shook off the nerves. If the defense could have held Duke a bit more, we could have had an upset on our hands. Um, this combined with BC basketball getting a gritty win at Conti, Prince hitting mm. the game winner. I'm actually uh, not feeling bad. First time I think I said that. <laughs> I'm not feeling bad at all, dude. My boy Mike Brown scored his first goal of his career for Merrimack against BC in his mom's go. alma mater's house, dude. So boys are buzzing, and we are we're feeling good. Morehead got a start. Unfortunately, though, my dog, I don't think that we're going to get more head, at least not right away. I don't know. Um, I thought that uh, Halfley was saying that right now Phil's still hurt. Is he still hurt? Yeah, I just I'm pretty know, sure. I didn't really read into it. I just know that he said that uh, when Phil's healthy, he'll play. That's, yeah, that's he all. did. I, I don't know the extent of it. Yeah, no, he did say when Phil's healthy, he'll play. And he did have a statement where he basically was like he's not abandoning his abandoning his seniors is that he's going to try to get them game tape because he recognizes that they have a chance to play at the next level. And it's, you know, a big money decision, getting them out there and not getting them out there. And part of that was Phil's going to play, um, which whatever we can talk about that later. Um, but I think in that same breath, he also said Phil is still hurt. Therefore it's not even a discussion. And he was kind of like applauding. He's like, I applaud the question. It's a great question. If that scenario was occurring, it's not Phil's hurt. So, which let me fill in the blank of Emmett Moorhead's playing. I would welcome that, dude. I'm yeah. All for it. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's one of those, you're still hurt, right? Like, kind of like when Mac Jones was hurt. It's like, don't you need an extra week? Like, because we kind of yeah. want to see what we got in this other guy for an extra game. I'm fine. Dude, back in the back in the day, Tim Hasselbeck was split in time with Brian St. Pierre, who was like a sophomore. So it's not like unprecedented to see a senior get his time cut too. Like I get it. It's a 20 year difference, but I'm all for it too. Like I get the whole game tape thing. Like, I, you know, good on you, but Phil ain't going to need game tape at fidelity next year, brother. So yeah. I, I, I digress. <laughs> well, Phil, Phil's not even at practice. Um, I just Googled it while you were speaking right there. Um, Emmett's taking first reps. Great. So Phil's not out there. Keep slinging the pill. Yep. So s- slow start to the game. Who's to blame? Um, well, the whole team is because it's offense and defense. They <laughs> both start slow every game. And like, I don't even mean that in like a wise ass way. We highlighted it last week. We went through every single game, what the offense did first, what the defense did first. So let's just include what Duke did. Or Sorry, you know, what we did against Duke. Duke started with the ball, six plays, 90 yards, touchdown, two-minute, 57-minute drive. BC gets the ball, runs three plays, two yards, 53 seconds, punt. Wow. I mean, nine, nine game, nine games, no, no scores on your first drive. That's awesome. 
Yep. And that's still three stops. They forced three punts on the first drive on defense and the rest are touchdowns or field goals. Way to stay consistent, BC. Yeah. They just put themselves down and how much they lose by a touchdown. I mean, yeah. these are important. <laughs> like these are important yeah. little tidbits here, like coming out yeah. hot or basically yeah. what they've done. Every single game has come out completely flat on both sides of the ball. And the only time that you've actually nutted up was on defense three times when you forced a punt. And one of those times when you forced a punt, the very next play, you let up a score, the, uh, the UConn game. So it's like, yeah, okay, fine. You did let up a punt, but I let up a punt, force a punt. I'm so, laughing, bro, but it really ain't fun. <laughs> Sad. I mean, they Not did good. settle in and like, I, like I'll give it to BC. They settled in right after forcing the, th- they forced the three and out on defense, the next stand. So they let up a touchdown, then came back, forced the three and out. So they came back offense, scored a touchdown on their second time with the ball. So, I mean, they can do it. They showed like, Hey, I can, we can do it in the first quarter. It's just why the first minute you touch the ball, can you do nothing? And the first minute they touch the ball, it seems like magic is happening. And then sometimes yeah. it kind of stays that way, right? Like the like that score is super important or the difference maker the rest of the game. It kind of seems like you get down and then you chase and you never can catch back up. Yeah. Feels like a theme. Riley Leonard's a dog, huh? Yeah. He's I'm got just wheels. I'm just look I'm just looking at I'm just like looking at looking at him right now. Yeah, I mean, I we highlighted him as stuff. one of the three players in the preview episode. Um Remember, I was like, oh, yeah, I was looking at their running backs. Just, and I was like, man, they have two running backs. And I was like, nah, crap. One of those running backs is their quarterback. And that was Riley yeah. Leonard. I mean, he yeah. he definitely ate us up on the ground. When and something wasn't there through the air, he ran it on us. 13 carries, 96 yards, a tutty. He's like a fairly, he was like a fairly rated recruit, too, it looks like. He had, he had some good offers. That's I mean, I got to say, his, his arm didn't impress me. Yeah. I mean, he got 158 pass yards against us. I mean, we, we can play good on in the secondary when we want. We just don't force a lot of pressure. They um I mean, dude, he crushed us on the ground though. 13 for 96 and a tutty. Yeah. Which is like that's their game, ain't it? Like their game is they're like predominantly a running team. Yep. I mean, Jacquez Moore, 15 carries, 82 yards, and then Jordan Waters, 11 carries, 51 yards. So they ran the ball almost 40 times. They ran the ball exactly 40 times because Terry yeah, Moore did. ran it once. Yeah. Four touchdowns on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got shredded. Our line oh, is kind of getting shredded. Yeah. Seems to be – man, that – that sucks too, because I I I I was feeling better about their rush defense too. I really was. I know. I I'm feel not, like. I mean, yeah. You know. No, I feel like their rush defense like has so much potential. I feel like you're spot on with your assessment of it. Just like, why are they not performing? Yeah, it's annoying. What about? It's annoying um, because the offense woke up, and then the defense is like, "No, we decided not to show up this game." <laughs> they really did. They really did wake up too. Such a sin. Uh, I know it well, stinks like Evan Moorhead slings and all of a sudden the defense can't. Yeah, he really was shoving. Well, let's go over it. So, I mean, we have the what's his name? Uh, we have Zay's tracker. So, yeah, we'll do that and then we can kind of go through there and like the offense's numbers. All right. Yeah. Little, so, little positive swing. 
Um, Zay Flowers, he has uh, the game against NC State. He's got Notre Dame and Syracuse left um, to break these records. So three games. Uh, he's got receiving yards. So these numbers, I want a disclaimer, include bowl games. I under, you know, for all the records for BC, like it's all time, including bowl games. So if, like when you organize the stats, that's like when I say number two, number three, number one, including mm-hmm. bowl games. So he has 2,770 uh, yards, number two all time. He needs 31 yards to break the record. So um, almost a shoe in to break the record next week. You know, I don't want to jinx, you know, so knock on wood, but uh, should break the record. Receptions, he has 182, which is good for third. He needs 10 receptions to break that record. And then for Tuddies, I don't know if he's going to get this one. Um, he very well could, so don't count him out. 25 he has, which is second all-time. He needs five to break that record. Um, so we got some interesting uh, things to watch for when it comes to Zay, and I think that's what maybe... Uh, what's the... What's the- the receiving the receiving touchdowns right you said he needs five to break mm-hmm. how many does he have right now 25 so he needs four to tie right i'm talking about to be sole possession of the all-time record and not i think tie. the i think it well isn't it 28 uh kelvin martin 29 that's what i'm saying Sportsreference.com. Looks like it's possible he played a bowl game. Is it possible he played in a bowl game and caught a touchdown and it's not including it on what you're looking at versus what I'm looking at has could be. Yeah, very, very possible. Um I don't know, I've always used sports reference every week when I uh reference a flowers record yeah. chaser. I've been using the sportsreference.com um and just going to Boston College sports sports history and then sorting out the uh, receiving columns there um, what's the um the risk so for receptions is amadon with 191 that's the record that's what so i have as well it is 192 uh Weird. to get yeah interesting how do you know how many catches they has this season um i'm sure i can pull that up pretty quickly i'm just kind of curious um what he's looking at for single season records as well. Cause if we can, do you know what the record is for, for um, a yeah. single season? So Zay has 60 Yeah, on the, on the and dot. it looks like the record is 78. So, he, so he needs 18 to, to tie yeah. 19 to, yeah. to break it. Amadon was nasty, dude. Amadon, Amadon back to back 78 and 77. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, so Zay Flowers record watch. Keep your eyes open. The record. Yeah, very true. And like and I think so, he has okay. a good chance with Emmett at the at the helm, too. Yeah. I mean, Phil, Phil wasn't Phil was, you know, obviously all season long, Zay was super successful and Phil was at the realm. Yeah. But Emmett takes over and in game one yeah. throws 330 yards for four touchdowns. Looks good. I know he slung it 45 times. Uh, but still, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah. Good touch. So, I mean, we got the M.M. Moorhead era begins. Um, I thought the throws that he actually made were um, 
it was, you know, I think it's funny because when you look at like Phil, who was throwing out there throwing ducks, and then I feel like any anything's an upgrade, but his throws look so much better offhand. They gave the they receiver look, a chance so to catch the ball, prettier. and they were downfield. Yeah. Oh, it was so yeah. it was so good to see passes that were like 15, 20 yards downfield. He made a bunch of bunch of catches for over 20 yards. I mean, I don't have that stat in front of me, and I wish I did now that I just said it out loud, but like he made some plays yeah. downfield. Did you notice how he was getting rid of the ball quick too? Yeah, it's like, why couldn't you do that, Phil? Like, why was it so why is it so hard? He made it look that was one of the questions I put on the agenda. Did Moorhead's performance show us that it was all Phil's fault? Like <laughs> Like they just exposed the shit out of Phil. And like, I'm interested to see if Emmett Moorhead plays this week and plays yeah. well. Does that double down on the take? It was just clearly Phil's fault. Like, I understand yeah. the offensive linemen's a revolving door of players. There's no consistency there. Along with there being no consistency, like, they're not even offensive linemen that are playing the position. They're defensive linemen. Yeah. Walk on, you know. So I get all that. But if the quarterback's able to work with it, then, hmm. It's funny too, because like not only not only is he gonna show if he is an opportunity to show him up to, but back to back, he's gonna have back to back games against pretty good opponents too. So it's not even like it's not even like they're throwing him against like garbage teams that he has a I'm I'm not gonna say he's gonna light up NC State, but so let's say for, for for this he does. Let's say he goes out there and plays very well again, right? That's two. That's going to be back to back game against two good opponents, and yeah, like you said, one ranked opponent. So if he has two back to back good games, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like that's wild, bro. Like that's not good. That's not a good look. It's like maybe maybe Phil doesn't need game tape after that. Maybe Morehead's the one who should start getting the game tape in order for next year. Like what? Are we, like fuck that. You know, why are we getting game tape for Phil for to be a professional? Like, nah, bro, you had eight games at game tape. We got to get more head game tape to so we can work on his game for next year. <laughs> I hear you. That's, I hear you 100 percent. And like if you're like if you're just like a if you're like playing a video game, you 100 percent do that. Right. But this is yeah. real life. So like I was just thinking about it while you were talking, like the reason that you play Phil is to show people that if you come to this program and you're dedicated you know, and you work through injury and you hustle on the field and you practice through tough times that when, you know, when you'll get your chance to still be on the team on another hand, do you want to show your team that no matter how bad you play, you get to keep playing. So like, there's a, there's a fine balance. There's a fine balance there. That's my, that was my thinking, honestly. Yeah. Like as you were saying that I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Fuck that. You know? Yeah. No, but like coach thinks Phil. I I totally get what you're saying. Coach thinks Phil. Coach says if Phil's healthy, Phil would be playing, but Phil isn't healthy, so this isn't even a conversation. It's Emmett, which is a more alarming. You know, I wish it was like, you know, it is a conversation that needs to be had amongst coaches right yeah. now. Um, yeah. You know, I wish he acknowledged that there was a controversy as opposed yeah. to going, there is no controversy. It's Phil. <laughs> it's like, really? Are you watching? <laughs> And like, honestly, at this point, like, so if you were to bench Phil, you might actually be saving him. And the pro scouts were like, oh, we didn't get to see his last three games. Let's see what he has at the combine. Yada, yada. You know, maybe he can sell. But if you go out there and he's trash, it's like you brought in a freshman who came in and lit it up for 330 and four touchdowns. Then you brought Phil back and he was sucked again. And it's like, okay, enough of him. 
Like he's clearly mm-hmm. not it. And then you can't play him against say Phil was healthy. You played him against NC state and he stunk. What are you then going to bench him for the last two games? Then it was like, bro, how funny would it be if they bench him for Notre Dame? Oh my so, God. That would be so wild. I would, what I, I would, would feel that would suck. Would it be worse though? If he like bad. does, so he say he's not healthy for NC state, mm-hmm. but then is healthy for Notre Dame. And then they throw him in there. And then he gets trashed on because he's terrible. Ouch. What's worse? It's like, dang, all uh, these, maybe he's hurt until the very last week and he gets his last hurrah, right? Like you get to play the last week when it doesn't matter. Emmett, sorry, we got you. You got you three starts. He's going to play the last week of his senior year. Please understand, you know, when it gets to be your senior year, maybe you'll get a bone thrown to you in a similar way and you'll appreciate it and you'll say to the freshman at that time like when i was a freshman phil got his last start while i sat on the yeah. bench even though i was the next thing like you know yeah. every, maybe you just have to take that on the chops then but like for three games like you know that could be some good time for emmett to grow especially going into next year too well especially you know just to keep the right flowing right through the agenda the youth movement right like especially because yeah. he's got other people out there to grow with the, a lot of the offensive line is going to be back next year. I know we're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, you know, health can return and it will change some mm-hmm. things, but you get that mm-hmm. you have the receivers that he's connecting with and the running backs that are out there. I mean, you have a lot of chemistry that can be worked on. Whereas the leader of the whole thing, if it's Phil, it's like, what chemistry are you working on with Emmett? Yeah. You're not, you're not gaining any traction in that sense. Yeah. Well, dude, the thing I like too, is like, he was working, you know, obviously like, Zay is going to get his touches, but then you're, you're really creating like a good rapport with Joe Griffin, you know, and that's going to be your connection going forward for the next, you know, your, your three years as the starter realistically. Um, So I really enjoyed that. Like from that perspective, it's like, all right, like these two clearly play well together. Like they're building like good rapport. He had a great game. So to go, out there you know and obviously like zay still had his touches so it's not like you were looking it's not like zay suffered because of joe griffin actually getting the ball like five catches 103 yards and two touchdowns so i was really kind of excited about that from like that perspective i thought that was fucking awesome absolutely i mean they're both freshman to freshman connection you have to love that and then your boy just complete like your boy not only did he like get get the you know I mean, it was 10-9 in touches, but, dude, he got – he he outrushed them, and he had yep. 4.9 yards of carry. Um, did he have any catches? Yeah, yeah, they both – yeah, so even though Pac Arrow had – so they had the same amount of touches. Um, you know, Pac Arrow had five catches and nine rushes. Alex mm-hmm. Broom had 10 touches and four catches. But, yeah, I mean, getting them – having them both – like, the way Alex Broom is just evolving and getting involved, it's – it's awesome. It's the way it's, it's the way of the future, man. It's how it's, did you see him be. at the press conference? I did not Dude, He's huge. That's a massive dude. He's a big, he's a big, strong barrel. Um, Broom? yeah. Dude, he's what we wanted Garo to be. Yep. He's a brick. Um, I, I really want to see more broom, um, more Joe Griffin, get those guys involved. Um, even like I like the fact that Dino Tomlin, Jeremiah Franklin, like even those guys, they're like slowly creeping into the fold. And, you know, I haven't said this yet. So 
get your alarm bells out, but kudos Halfley. You're kind of bringing in some of the young guys into the mix sneakily, you know, not jeopardizing the quality of the game at all. Um, or, yeah. or being or like benching seniors and disrespecting people. You're just kind of appropriately integrating some of the young guys. Um, obviously, Brum is to me, I've been saying it this whole long. Brum's the better running back. Brum should get more carries and more touches than Garwell should. Garwell should still be in there. I kind of I kind of understand it, right? Like, you know, any sport that you've ever played, if you've played it on like a high school or college level, when you get to your senior year, it's kind of special. Right. So like mm-hmm. if you, you kind of earn a little bit of touches in that sense. So like Garwell's yeah, not sure. going away, you know, Garwell's sure. not benched, you know, Garwell's going to get 40% minimum of the touches out of the yeah. backfield, which I'm fine. Garwell's, with. Garwell's not a senior though. Garwell's a junior. No, I, I get, I get it. But you know, that's the changing yeah. of the guard. Um, do you think yeah. Garwell is going to be back in a major fashion next year? I don't think he's going to be back period. Right. That's kind of what I'm, I guess, I guess I shouldn't have said senior. I get more like he's leaving and Brum's coming in. I think you can kind of see the changing of the guard. Better said, thank you for the correction. But Dino Tomlin, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Franklin is who I was also I was bringing up. Dino Tomlin made a big play, thirty-one yard reception, kind of hinting on what I was getting at before. Them at Moorhead throwing the ball downfield. He's got uh, he had two catches for forty yards. He's had a catch in the past four games after not having a catch prior. So he that's part of that slow integration. I know Franklin had the big fumble. Um, against UConn, which kind of made the game sealed the deal, which was a little depressing to see, but he's had a catch in the past two games. Uh, dude's huge, 6'4", 217. Nice to see those guys start to get, get into the fold. That's who I said from the get-go that I wanted yep. to see step up as the tight end. That's been your guy. The next time I'm up. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I kind of, uh, what you call it, honed in on him. That's who I thought. I mean, I, I, I had no prior knowledge or anything i just had a feeling because he's just so fucking big dude he's he should be out, he should be out there let's get him polished you know what i mean let's go get him some time dude i'm looking i'm looking right now yeah cam arnold and Vinny. so cam arnold had one tackle but seven assists seven like assisted tackles and sure. Vinny de palma only had a tackle and six assisted tackles like dude they are all over it like they were just gang tackling people like you know obviously they only one tackle solo tackle each yeah asterisk at their position though you know that they're at the position where like they're gonna lots of guys are gonna get half tackles at that position you know dude but that's freaking awesome dude they had had seven he had seven assisted tackles yeah i mean the i i'm kind of critical of of that position because the of how bad yeah but they also weren't they also, I'm just thinking because they didn't, they weren't out there full time themselves. Yeah, I just, I don't know, I like it because I mean, oh, McGowan played a little bit. It looks like Bryce Steele finally played a lot more. Bryce Steele has been one of the bigger, not disappointments, but I thought he was going to have a because he played a lot as a freshman. Yeah, I thought he was going to have a bigger jump. Maybe next year, you know. Sometimes like year three is the year you really show out but i thought he was i thought he was going to be a, a bigger game changer that's i mean it's okay you know it's not it's not the end of the world obviously but yeah i mean like kind of like you said there's a lot of people that are starting to get get in the game more um really not affecting the overall outcome in terms of like it's it's not like a drop off by any means right. which is which is nice so you know it's as nice a rocko Talk about defense. Yeah. If you're going to talk about defense and you don't say his name, it's almost like you know 
Tis Tisk, right? I mean, he's yeah. a, he's a sophomore and he's a, a freaking beast. I think he had two tackles for a loss last game. He was in the backfield. Uh, he had a sack. Game, like, did he? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. Azaraku all over the place. And and he's a sophomore too, which I think is uh you know important to note that he's early on in the development. I am a Did little he, worried about people leaving in the portal, so I kind of hope he's got gonna... six sacks. Yeah, on the air. sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, he's one of the high, highest rated uh defensive linemen in the ACC. Um, I remember that we retweeted something not too long ago about one of uh the rankings came out and he was like sixth or something like as far as like some sort of rating that they compiled. Um, so that's great. Yeah, no, it's great to see. I, I, you can build around someone like him. Yeah. Hopefully he stays. I know that's kind of what we've (laughs) talked about in the past is like, are these guys even going to want to play here next year? Like the the ones who are are really legit, like go play for someone who can get ranked because you know, BC rebuilding is kind of where they're at. Yeah, I know. It's tough. It is tough. You know what's tough? Um, one thing I kind of was wanted to point out, wanted to get your take on it, is all these uh these new guys, these new pass catchers that are coming into play. Kind of Jalen Gills, um, seen his decline in mm-hmm. usage. One catch, six mm-hmm. yards uh, in the past three games. He has five catches for seventy-seven yards. He hasn't caught yeah. a touchdown. Uh, mainly re- uh, a punt and kick returner. Mm-hmm. And as a punt and kick returner, he's wicked average. Uh, 21.8 yards per kick return. So whatever, yeah. you're not really bringing it out anywhere fancy. If you're bringing it out to the 22 yard line, um, yeah. he only has a long of 37. So like even on his, when he popped off the hardest this year, he brought it out to the 37, you know, like whoop-de-doo. Um, yeah. And as a punt return, he has a long of seven and he averages 3.6 a return. So it's like, he's mm-hmm. going nowhere as a punt returner too. Yeah, he's, he's never gotten more than seven yards on a punt return. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, you're not even a good punt returner. You're not catching the ball at wide out. We got like Dino Tomlin passing you on the depth chart. Um, is this like Jalen Gills? Bye-bye. Yeah, definitely. I don't had higher hopes for him. 2020, I had real high hopes for him. He had 29 catches. 435 then last year at 24 catches 269 so even last year he had like a regression yeah um, yeah he's Slide. yeah 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 he's you know he'll get back to that i mean he's he's a, and that's a thing he's like a bit of a deep threat like in 2020 he averaged 15 yards a catch and then this year he's got 15.4 so he's kind of like an all or nothing type guy it's just like there's just no quantity with him a lot of nothing um, lately yeah, I don't really foresee I don't really foresee him. Um like I, I just I think yeah, I think like what you see is what you get at this point. Yeah, you know, I know I know like there's a lot of like gripes against them. I I don't think that there's much more, you know, it is what it is at this point. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, whatever. But speaking about yeah. is what it is, is or is it time to call the defense bad because it is what it is, and if you let up this many points a game. You know, you're bad. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're bad. Um, they're, lots they're of talent, no results. That's my ta- that's my that's my take on the defense. Like you have, if you were to like just list the players on the line, then the linebackers, then the then the then the uh, secondary. Like wow, you got some playmakers out there. You know, Matry, DeBerry, Woodbet. You know, like wow, you can Ezraku, uh, Valdez, 
you know, you can keep going on and on and on and on. And you got these mm-hmm. guys who can make plays who the announcers are calling out. Oh, that's his fourth tackle. You just highlighted two people who Cam Arnold, like what he had seven assisted tackles. Um, and he's a Palmer. Benny De Palma. I mean, what what do we just name like eight people? There's 11 people on the field, you know? So like we just named almost the whole defense. Like there's a bunch of people that can make plays. It's just, how do you have all this talent with all this bad results? So they're, they're 29.8 opponents points per game. They're 92 out of 131. So they're, yeah, they're just really not that good. Bottom (laughs) half. Yeah. So I got some stats. Deep in the bottom half. Yeah. Opponents get four yards of carry. Uh, they're averaging 152 yards a game. So that's 79th. Um, opponents throw for 217 yards a game, and they average 7.2 yards a pass on them. That's ranked 50th. So they're letting up 369 yards a game, 5.47 yards per play. Uh, so when you kind of – I like quantifying it in yards because a lot of our take this year has been offense setting them up in terrible positions. you know. But if you're letting up four yards a carry – and seven yards a pass, you're pretty much all you need to do is run two plays and they get a first down against you. You're mm-hmm. bad. You know, you're bad. Mm-hmm. You're like, you can't sustain that. Um, like the question I posed was, can we still blame the offense for the high scores of the opponent? No, I don't know. Uh, so BC has had, so I have like a, a stat and then a counter stat, and then we can kind of discuss them. Um, so BC has had to defend the red zone as most as almost any team in college football. Let me repeat that. Boston College has had to defend their own red zone as much as any other team in college football. So they have 34 defenses in the red zone. Only seven other teams have had to defend the red zone more, and the most is Ohio University with 40. So there's only seven other teams who have had to defend it more, and there's a bunch of bum teams that are in this bottom half here. So lots of of having to defend your own red zone. And is that a hundred percent the defense? No, that's why that's kind of what I'm bringing up as the offense's fault is if you turn the ball over a ton and, and let up a lot of short fields or kick the punt the ball 17 yards or throw the ball backwards for a fumble, like you're going to have these short fields for your defense. It's just yeah. going to happen. So they have a ton of defenses in the red zone. So, but the red zone defense is ranked 115 out of 130 yeah. as far yeah, as percent, percentage go. goes. So yeah. as when they do get there, they're just letting up scores. So it's like, at least defend the red zone a little bit better. Don't be one of the yeah. worst ever. So Boston yeah. College has allowed 12 pass TDs and 12 rush TDs, along with seven field goals. So they've let up 31 scores and 34 tries. So a 91.2 success rate for the other Yikes. team's offense in our red zone. So we just can't defend Yikes. the red zone. So like, yeah, the offense sets them up in bad position and then the bad defense lets them score. So they would have let them score probably if they didn't give them bad field position too, is kind of my point. It's just, I could see if it was field goals, but it's like predominant touchdowns. Like, geez, 24 touchdowns and seven field goals for 31 scores and 34 tries. How many touchdowns? 24 touchdowns, 12 and 12 split between the ground and the air. That's over three times the amount of field goals. Yeah. We just can't make the play. Like we can't make a play. You You never seen like a pick in our own end zone. You never see like a major fumble or a sack to push them into field, you know, out of field goal yeah, range. It just seems like they score all the time. Yeah, it's a bad defense, dog. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested. I should have, and it would have made for a good bit to go back and look at the three times that we didn't let up a score when we were in our red zone. Like, when can you recall uh, the whole season when those three times were? I can't for the 
I mean, I've only been thinking about it for 10 seconds, but quickly off yeah. the top, I can't recall the three times <laughs> we defended our red zone, what it looked like. <laughs> they probably went for it on fourth down, trying to stuff it in the, and didn't, and got stuffed. And, and then we got it on the one and got like, had to punt it. And then they scored yeah. right after that. That's probably yeah. how it went. <laughs> the, uh, the BC. So I know, so I know last week you were mad about the announcers. Uh, you got, you got some more thoughts on the announcers this week. Yeah. So they spent, if you watch the second quarter, like you, and just like the audio, if you just listen to the second quarter, you wouldn't know like what game was happening or like what was going on. <laughs> they just like, didn't talk about the football game. I might as well have muted it myself. It was, it was horrible. They kept talking about other things like the rankings. Uh, someone on one of the announcers made it like a, like a ranking last week and then they changed it drastically. And they were like asking them about the difference. And I was like, who cares? Yeah, you know, and then they were talking about Clemson's quarterback situation and DJU and like, should he start? Should he not? Um, it almost felt like uh, they were like, well, so this game is going to be trash. So we need to come like stocked with material to like keep the attention of our audience because there's no way that we're going to be able to talk about this game the whole time. Um, <laughs> last week they were they were comparing. Uh, uh, Emmett Moorhead, or was it, or was it Phil? I forget. To um, Josh Allen, it was Phil. Yeah, <laughs> Phil to Josh Allen. It, it, you know, and then said that Emmett Moorhead clearly is the more accurate quarterback. But we're yeah. Two seconds ago, you said this guy was Josh Allen. Um, yeah. So like, just who are these trash announcers? Like, get his hassle back back. <laughs> Please, I'll take O'Brien too. At this point, ugh. Yeah, me too. Unfortunately, me too. But I, yes, I agree. <laughs> all right, end of end of gripe on on the so, announcers. Just get us better. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we, oh, I pose this in the agenda. So I'll set it up. Um, so the Halfley era began with a win with a decisive win over Duke too. Like I think that that's important to say. It wasn't just like a win. It was a decisive win in Duke. Um, Mike Elko, his, he's in year one at Duke now. Um, he's got them six and six and three this year, uh, turn big turnaround. They had a losing record last year. They really haven't been good for a couple of years now. It's interesting because the trajectory of the two programs completely different. Like what we thought, you know, we thought BC was trending up. You know, especially like you look at, you know, you just look in retrospect, just at how bad things have gotten for us since, since the Halfley era began against Duke. Now, Mike Elko uh, got Duke six and three. Um, interesting enough, dude, too. So here's some, here's something that's like pretty, pretty interesting that I found. So they're both, they're both Jersey guys, right? Um <laughs> Yeah, so they're both Jersey guys. Elko's 45, Halfley's 43. Um, they both came from defensive coordinators from very, very high schools. You know, uh, Elko's A&M's defensive coordinator. But he was their defensive coordinator for three or four years. Halfley was the defensive coordinator for one season. You know, Halfley was a DB coach in the NFL. You know, that's like his whole thing. But uh so they're pretty similar in terms of like how they got here, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just completely different outlooks um, where they're, you know, 
granted this is year one for elko you know year three for halfley but uh elko looks like he's a good head coach you know he's a first year head coach too or first time ever head coach too i don't know (laughs) i don't i i don't know i don't know what to draw from this i just wanted to pose it yeah no it seems like i mean do you but do you think it's a hundred percent coaching the different success that they, you know, obviously Halfley not having success, him having mm. success through the first nine games. Mm. Are you are you drawing it to the coach or a little bit um, talent for um, Duke? No, just in general. Like you know, do you think Halfley has as much talent as um, Elko has? And if it's comparable, then do you think right. the success comes down to coaching? Okay, so are you saying does he have uh, the same amount of talent? So Halfley's first year compared to Duke this year is is that what you're asking? Well, yeah. If you want to compare him, you have to create some sort of equalizer, right? Like if, if yeah. let's just let's just propose a scenario where I mean, obviously Duke's a better team than us this year. So like if you have a far superior team yeah. and That's you have more I success, like, well, it's I like what you're asking. Well, yeah. If you have if you have a better team and more success, I'm kind of like no shit. So like not you can't compare the two but my question to you was what is your take on bc you know halfley's first year their skill level versus elko's first year with Duke's skill had, level halfley had a way better team so then do you think he's you know then is the coaching the difference then yeah yeah 100 percent. would you trade him could you if you could trade halfley for elko fuck yeah i Bro, trade Duke halfley for lots of people and, fire elko. they were they were I mean, three fire and halfley. nine they were three and nine and zero and eight in ACC last year, <laughs> so they were they were shitty. <laughs> they were not good. At least no. BC was, you know, they were sick. They came off a six and seven year. They got throttled in the bowl game, obviously, but you know they didn't have AJ Dillon. But that team wasn't bad. You know that was that was an okay team. Um, yeah. I think him finishing six and five within that year was pretty on par with what you know, they were going to do talent wise, um, you know, I, perhaps maybe they uh, did a little bit better than they probably, you know, could have. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that halfway had a better team in the 2020 year than the, I mean, dude, they were bad and they're six and three and they're not like a, they're not like a fraud six and three either. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. They they look good. Like they have an identity too. Like they they're a running team. Uh, Halfley Halfley's team they they haven't had an identity. Twenty twenty they had twenty twenty and twenty twenty one they have two back to back two of the best offensive lines in the country, and they could not run the ball at all. Mm-hmm. They were they had to be a pat they had to be a throwing team because they couldn't run the ball, and that had a lot to do with the offensive uh offensive line coach at the time i'm i'm i think it was uh i forget his name right now applebaum or something uh but yeah so like they didn't really they bc hasn't really had like an identity as a team duke has an identity in year one they're a running team and they do it very well and a lot of good you know, defensive coaches like to have a running team right because of the the Mm -hmm. possession of the of the game clock and Halfley is a defensive coach, and yeah. man, we were just very critical of his defense. And it's like, yeah. at least you want 
what your head coach is good at to be the strong suit. All three of Duke's losses were close too. They lost by eight points to Kansas. They lost by three in overtime to Georgia Tech, which I would think you know that's a bad loss. But and then they lost the UNC by three. So it's like they haven't got blown out yet either. No, you're so gonna they've lose. Been, you're they've been competitive. To... They're competitive in every game. Yeah, losing to good team too. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I'm. Uh, I mean, it's like put a bow on that i yeah i don't have i don't have much that to, to add other than that's pretty damning it sucks mike elko great hire halfway not so much uh also not so much the uh hockey team <laughs> hockey team doesn't look you know we had a pretty high host for them two four and one record at the time yeah. of this recording uh they lost they lost at merrimack uh, three to one, and then they lost at home, uh, five to two. So, yeah, not, helping not uh, helping them snap snap a three game losing streak. I hate that. I hate when you help a, a a losing team snap a losing streak, but not only that, start a winning streak. Yeah, not good. Um, I think the power play is something to talk about this year. We talked about was it the first three games or was it the first four games that every goal to start the game was a power play goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the power play issues are continuing. They had 12 minutes, 11 seconds on the uh, power play. This is for, you know, offense on the power play. They were one for seven. Um, yeah. By the way, BC uh, website, your uh, write-up of the game said six, and but the box score says seven. Um, so this uh stat correction needed. Um, but shooting on the power play an issue. 13 minutes on the power play kill, uh, one goal and six defenses. Um, your boy Kuntar uh, had two penalties on sports and like conduct and holding. Um, Maybe I think not part, that boy. <laughs> uh, just that game. I mean, the next game too against them, he had a penalty. Uh, he had three penalties in two games. So you got to stay disciplined. At one point, they had too many men on the on the ice, which is like <laughs> figure it out. That's that's yeah. like one of those ones you can't get called. Uh, it's yeah. kind of like a delay a game that pushes you out of field goal range. It's like, man, you really just can't have a two minute power play kill because you couldn't substitute correctly. Uh, yeah. You have to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. You have to shoot the puck more. You only shot it 18 times in the away game um, compared to 27 uh, shots on, you know, on your defense in the home loss. We had 11 minutes on the power play, two of seven shooting uh, cutter scored a goal. Assisted by your boy, Kunta. Um, six minutes, 45 seconds on the kill. So not as much time. You know, they do, they basically cut it in half how much time they had to kill. But they let up twice as many. You know, they let up two goals. They, you know, doubled it up and only four defenses. Uh, so they're letting up mainly their goals on the power play kill. Uh, they're not able to convert at a high percentage when they get their chance on the power play. So something to look forward. Can they improve on the power play throughout the year? And can they get a win? Jeez. Both of those games, they're the only they didn't score any five on five goals. Right. Um, maybe that's something to look at too, is like you can't convert at a high rate on the power play, but the only time that you actually can score is on the power play. Like, yeah. can you score? Can you please score five on five to mix it in? If you're not gonna be good on the power play, you at least need to be good on five on five. 
Shout out my boy, Mike Brown, scored his first ever goal, collegiate wah, 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 wah. against BC, too. <laughs> nice. Uh, his, yeah, his, his mother is a, is a BC graduate, so I know that they were, uh, you know, pretty psyched about that. So That's congrats cool. to Mike Brown. Um Congrats to the family as well at that. You know, that, that's that got to be cool. I'm sure they definitely really celebrated that. Really, really nice goal, too. It was from the point. A uh, little little deflection. So good to see that, man. That's 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 awesome. Congratulations. Just to be playing at that level, never mind scoring at that level. That's pretty cool. It was funny. I was talking to his uncle, too. And um, I guess the reason he didn't, you know, he didn't go to BC because he didn't think he wasn't sure if he would actually play. Mm. um where it's like now you know he's a really good defenseman too dude he's he's like he's like a stay-at-home defenseman he's really good he's a tough kid i would love to have him here transfer baby but, but they're six and three they beat umass in overtime yeah worked out so for like him. yeah so does he want to be here <laughs> <laughs> i think he made the right choice dude <laughs> that's uh that, that's all I got. That's all I got. I got one more team. thing. Um, one one more thing. Uh, Henry Wilder actually got in the game. Um, he played nine minutes, had six saves, stopped them all, or you know, six shots, six saves. So Sweet. they ex- experimented uh, that for the first time with a different goalie. Cool. What do you, do you think? Do you think he's gonna get some playing time going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's true. For every team, you don't start your starting goalie every single game. Eventually, your yeah. backup gives your starter a rest every once in a while. Yeah. So, yeah. And if he impresses, then he gets more time. If he's just pretty mid, I think they they stay status quo. I would, I would, uh, I would welcome it. Yep. Why not? Do you have, uh, do you have northeastern, northeastern uh, tidbits? Uh, northeastern six two and two. Um, the one of those two ties was against BC. Uh, I believe it. You know it. Coming into the game with the three-game win streak. Um, so you know how I was saying that we helped uh, snap a losing streak and help a win streak start. Maybe we can do the reversal here and snap. A we win actually streak. we didn't. Uh, they beat they beat UMass in overtime before we played them. Who? Uh, Merrimack. Oh yeah, overtime. So I guess I considered that a tie, right? And maybe in my. Uh, my yeah, look up. Nah, yeah. Well, no, they they won 2-1. Well, I can tell you this, Northeastern's got a three-game win streak, beat UNH <laughs> twice last week for a combined score nine to two. So holy Christ, Eesh. hopefully we can stop some of that. Yeah. yeah. We lost we lost eight combined score eight to eight to three. So not much yeah. better. Unfor- yep. Unfortunately for us. Trending down is the hockey team. Truly, man. It's a shame. Shit. So uh northeastern six and three, you said? Mm. No, six two two. Six two two. Oh yeah, Merrimack six and three. Well, shit. That's not good. No. Friday Friday, Friday's at Northeastern, Saturday's home. Correct. Yep. A little Friday, Saturday combo for you. Right on. Let's get a split. <laughs> yeah, I know that's where we're at right now. Split it, please. Mm-hmm. Sad really sucks yeah. it's it stinks but it's kind of like growing pains first year new coach tier one um, yeah 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 hopefully cutter hopefully cutter stays hopefully no. hopefully decides to refine his skills for a sophomore year or something 
He will. I feel like that sometimes that's, well, let me put it this way. When I say he will, it's up to the flyers, right? Like what, like yeah. what they want to do. Um, not necessarily. Well, cause isn't it an eligibility? Like don't they have three years? No, no he they have three years he... where they sign. No, well, no, no. Leave. Sorry. I, um, sorry. Miscommunication more so like he can, um, yeah. but don't they have three years three. where they don't have to burn contract years and they can keep them like drafted and under their control. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you can let him play through his junior year and then yeah. come on to the Bruins or come on to the, I don't yeah. the Bruins, come on to the Flyers. Yeah. But it's a completely up and like the, flyers would have no say in it like if he wants to leave if he wants to leave and go get paid to play hockey next year as opposed to drink natty natty lights on the weekend i know i know that's why i know that's what i always like was a little bit uh confused about was with players in the past it's like i don't know dude me personally I mean, I get it from, you know, from a business development standpoint of like, you want to like refine your craft before you go to the show, but that'd be hard to, to not to delay a six figure payday. You know what I mean? To like play a year of, of amateur hockey when you could go get paid to do it. Like that would be hard. That's that must be hard, but you must have to like really look inside yourself and be like, yeah, I'm not ready. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm just not going to perform well. You know, yeah, no, you don't want to just go get there and get blown out. And it's like, oh, now I have no shot of ever playing because of how badly I just got blown. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And then you end up missing out on millions of dollars on the back end. So I get it from both angles. All right. Yeah, plus, plus you can plus if you stay two years, you can get an associate's degree. So if you you know, were to get injured and out the league, true. at least you got something to fall back on. Yeah, true. Let's see. All right. Let's. uh Let's dive, dive on dive on into a little NC State action. <laughs> this is gonna be a bloodbath. Um 10 PC holds the all-time record 10 to 8, uh, 9 and 7 since they joined the ACC in 05, uh, 9 and 8. <laughs> little 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 joke, little joke that you made before <laughs> before we started recording. <laughs> um Put it on the, the last Last year when we played them, they played they played up here. Uh, they crushed us thirty three to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, good game in the first first half. Um, then not so much in the second half. <laughs> it was a, it was a prime time Saturday night game. Uh, the Red Sox were also in the ALCS at the time. Kike Hernandez hit a grand slam moon bomb on the same night, so you can mark that down. Uh, yeah, so we are. Much different times, not not doing well. Uh, let's see here, just just little little comparison. Uh, BC has one Heisman winner in the history. NC State has zero. Uh, BC has one national championship. NC State has zero. Uh, on the flip side, NC State has eleven conference championships. BC has one, which was a three-way tie in two thousand four. Uh, BC twenty-eight bowl games. NC State has thirty-three. Uh, yeah, so that's that's. Oh, one more. We'll do NFL draft picks. Like BC that. has two hundred thirteen NFL draft picks. NC State has one seventy-six because they are a bunch of amateur bums. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have more first-round draft picks too. 
21 to 19. And that is your whatever. History, <laughs> history, history lesson with Brett. That is your brief history with Brett of NC State. That was and that, and this is now. You. <laughs> yeah, I, now I turn it over to you for the overview. Uh, they're the 17th ranked team. I thought they were the 16th, but uh, a little research before the episode shows they're the 17th ranked team with a 7-2 record on the year. Wins against East Carolina, Charleston Southern, Texas Tech, UConn. They seem to be able to beat UConn. Florida State, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest lost to Clemson and Syracuse on the year. Uh, so another team where the only losses have come to very good teams. Um mm-hmm. Get ready for your doors to be blown off, BC. All right. NC State, the offense scores 27 points per game, 351.8 yards per game. Another prolific offense coming in here. Uh, 227 yards per game and 124 rush yards per game. So 3.4 yards a carry. Uh, BC likes to let up four yards a carry. So look for that number to be larger by the end of the week. One thing to note, um, there might be starting their backup quarterback as we might be starting our backup quarterback uh, for the past Sick. two weeks. Yeah, but MJ Morris is actually balling on people, and he's one of the three players to watch. So uh, not to get ahead of myself, but um, just as much as we liked Emmett, they might be liking MJ. So uh, one thing to note, uh, he's I refuse to put a kicker on my player to watch, so I'm just going to include it in the offensive preview. Their kicker um didn't even write his name down just don't respect kickers uh 24 for 24 on the extra points and 18 for 18 for field goals two kicks over 50 yards seven over 40 yards uh this kicker's actually nasty um so <laughs> he can shove that right in my face at the end of the week when he like nails three from 50 yards and ices a whole bunch of field goals but they pretty much need to just get within his range and you can put three on the board for them so uh offense is definitely good you know, it's just as good as their defense at 17.8 points per game. That's pretty dang that? good. That's how many points they let up per game. 17.8. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. So they're scoring 27 and letting up seven. They're winning by 10 a game on average. 320 yards they let up a game, which is, a, you know, a decent amount of yards to let up in a game. But they're just not letting you score much. So it makes you think Ben don't break. Makes you think turnovers. Uh, 217 yards per game. Uh, through the air is what they let up on defense and 102 yards per game uh, rushing, which is not a good sign because uh, BC doesn't even average 100 yards per game and 100 yards is pretty stout uh, run defense. So um, they allow 3.7 yards per carry. BC has been held under 100 rush yards in seven of the nine games they've played this year. So a uh, team that averages 102 rush yards, BC can barely get 100 rush yards. Look for another stuffing of the run. Um, hopefully Brum can sweep some of that up, but uh, you never know. Three players to watch for NC State. Uh, we're going to go with the Thomases. First Thomas is Thayer Thomas, number five wide receiver. He's got 45 catches for 526 yards and four touchdowns. Most of his action has come in the past two weeks, so he's rolling coming into this week. Past two weeks, 18 catches, 197 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so pretty big numbers, pretty much nine and a hundred yards and a touchdown is what he's averaging a game over the past two games. There, Thomas, number five, he's a senior. Uh, the second Thomas is your boy, Drake, uh, certified lover boy, number 32 linebacker. He's a junior. 
He has the team lead in tackles at 67, the team lead in sacks at three. He's also got three pass deflections. Um, so from the linebacker position, you know, maybe he's dropping back in coverage. Maybe he's getting his hands up at the line of scrimmage. Either way, he's getting his hands on the ball, getting his hands on the quarterback, getting his hands on the guy with the ball. Uh, Drake Thomas, number 32 linebacker. Um, and then the last player I hinted at it earlier is their quarterback, assuming that he's starting. Um, hard to call a player to watch that's going to be on the bench, but uh, if it's the other guy, throw him in there. Uh, MJ Morris is who we're expecting to see, kind of like how we're expecting to see Emmett Moorhead based on the trend of the injury uh, report. Um, he's number 16. He's a freshman. It would be kind of cool, actually, to see two freshmen battle it out under center. Uh, past two games filling in, he's 38 for 57 with six touchdowns and zero picks. Uh, pa- yeah, good. Passing along yeah. with 32 carries, 55 yards uh, net. Um, but you take out the sacks, he's got 102 rush yards. Um, so about 50 yards rushing a game. Uh, so he's he's filling in formidable. I'd say. <laughs> Yeah. So, sounds like it. Three touchdowns a game. It's great. Must be nice. Was that yeah. is that was that your third one? He yep. We got Thayer Thomas wide receiver, Drake Thomas linebacker, and MJ Morris, the quarterback. Word. Hit hit me with the bets, buddy. Here All right. We go. We've been getting shellacked lately. Um, but we're even on the year. We both have 15 correct out of 24. And that's like in the past two weeks, we've been just getting dominated. We started off the season owning the spread, and now we just are getting a little discombobulated. So we're looking to get it back on track this week. Um, Spread, 19 points as of today. And you got to keep in mind, things move. If they announce Phil starts, they announce uh, MJ Morris isn't starting, Emmett Moore, you know, all this gets immediately shaken up. Just to reflect on last week, the, the line moved, I think, two points once Phil got yeah. ruled out. So yeah. um, these things tend to move. We'll keep an eye on it. We will post right before the game what the line is and give you the updated spreads and over-unders and um, all that good stuff. But right now it's at 19 and the over-under is 42. Um, give you a little context. Now that we have some data on our hands, um, you know, nine games played. NC State is three and six against the spread. Uh, it's the fifth time that they've entered a, contents, a contest as a double-digit um, favorite BC is two and seven against the spread. And in the last four road games, they're zero and four against the spread. Uh, so both teams not really performing well against the spread, but BC is much more atrocious than NC state is against the spread. Um, Boston college is 117th in total offense and 60th in total defense. So when you think you're considering that one, considering the over under here, uh, the fact mm-hmm. that they're a bad defense, um, yeah. Last week, we both thought the under because we just thought BC wouldn't score. They ended up putting 30 plus up. So where do you sit this week um, with the 19 point line and the over under being 42? Um, NC State, but then BC with the points and the over. And are you assuming an Emmett Moorhead start with this prediction? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I too, I too don't think that they're going to lose by 20, um, especially with the fact that they have. I know MJ Morris. I just touted them up right six touchdowns in the two games uh can yeah. can pass like i just i think that you know we can have a chance to do something when you have a freshman quarterback playing against you 
um, mm-hmm. just as much as they probably think the same thing about Emmett Moorhead. But little do they know, Emmett Moorhead's a reason that I actually have a little bit more faith in this game. Um, he looked yeah. good last week and Phil stinks. So anything different, you know, it's got to be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I too think BC's going to lose the game. I don't think they're going to lose by 19. Um, and I think the over hits. Yeah. Hell yeah. Perfect. Did you pick the over too? Yeah. Cool. So we're, we're exactly the same then. Um, and see yeah. BC with the points over 42. Yep. If the last three weeks say anything though, we should, we should flip all of that around and, <laughs> and just pick the opposites. Uh, but, so maybe fade us. If you, if you, if you've been following us uh, and, and betting with us, you've probably lost some money. Um, so if you want, go ahead, fade us. But if you lose money this week, fading us, uh, you know, that's your own fault. Should have listened to us yeah. in that case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> all I got on NC State. All right. Final thoughts? Um, yeah. So this uh will be coming out on Friday, right? Uh Friday will be Veterans Day. Um, so happy Veterans Day to all the people who serve. Um, last week I gave you the history of the huddle, history of Veterans Day. Veterans Day was created at the ending of World War One, originally called the Great War. Uh, Great War officially ended on June 28th in 1919 with a peace treaty, um, the Treaty of Versailles. Even though I might be mispronouncing that, I'm pretty sure it's a French name. So, uh, no, I think it's Versailles. Okay, good. Yeah, go me. Even though one might think a war would end when the treaty was signed, um, a ceasefire between the Allies and the German troops occurred seven months before that on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. As a result, November 11th, 1918 is considered to be the end of World War I or the Great War. Uh, One year later, Woodrow Wilson, the president, proclaimed November 11th as the first commemoration of Armistice Day. And that's, I know I'm mispronouncing that. Um, I didn't even want to have to say it, but I was like, I got to be historically accurate, which is originally established to honor veterans of World War I. But in 54, Congress amended that act commemorating you know, basically a lot of veteran groups urged it, but renaming the day to Veterans Day, much easier to say, um, to honor veterans of all wars. So to this day, Veterans Day is a celebration to honor Americans veterans for their patriotism, love of the country and willingness to serve and sacrifice for the common good. Um, so as we approach this day, as and if you're listening, you're pro- it's probably on this day. Um, let's just take a moment and reflect and honor those who have worn the uniform in service of our nation. Amen, brother. Amen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Happy Veterans Day to all those who served, all those who have got loved ones that served, all the people that, you know, I mean, realistically, I mean, these these people, what's the word I'm thinking of? Sacrificed. They mm. sacrificed so much for us. And, you know, I got to the ultimate. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I know a couple of them. Um, so it's always, it's always, it's always nice to, that they can, you know, really have, have their moment, you know? Yep. Um, so I appreciate that. That's awesome. And so yeah, happy veterans day to everyone out there. Um, I'm going to leave that as the ultimate final thought. I'm not even going to follow that up with anything. I think that that was well said and that, that works well for me. Cool. Um, yeah. Follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and TikTok uh, at BC Banter Pod. Uh, also, the email once again, uh, BC Banter Pod at gmail.com. Uh, throw us a follow on all those. Uh, we love, love to interact with you guys. So, really, really do appreciate that. 
uh, BC Banter Pod. And yeah, so with that, um, go Eagles. Roll Eagles. I don't know what you've been.